You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. These are challenging times, but you don't have to navigate them alone. Welcome to How Can I Help? I'm Dr. Gail Saltz. I'm a clinical associate professor of psychiatry at the New York Presbyterian Hospital, a psychoanalyst and best-selling author. And I'm here every week to answer your most pressing questions, hopefully with understanding, insight, and advice. All mammals have tear ducts and do tear, but only humans use it to communicate distress. Humans use tearing to serve a purpose. When highly upset, the sympathetic side of the nervous system is alerted. While it is difficult to study crying because it demands an emotional breaking point that is tough to replicate in the lab, there have been studies that indicate crying and the release of tears as a way to bring the nervous system back to a normal equilibrium of sorts. If someone continues to cry and be in emotional distress for a long period of time, the stress could have physical consequences like a stroke or a heart attack. Hence, crying may be the body's way of calming itself down. Part of the parasympathetic nervous system's function and returning to a normal state. So what purpose does crying serve? As humans have evolved, you might think the ability to tear would have disappeared, but it has not. Even though tears well up in your eyes and inhibit your vision, they still serve the evolutionary purpose of eliciting sympathy. Humans' ability to band together and help each other distinguishes them from other mammals. And crying communicates deep feeling, which allows others to bond with you more intensely and hence are a very important and nuanced form of communication. Certainly, real tears demand more attention than crying without tears. Mothers today still find themselves checking for real tears on the faces of upset toddlers, for example. Crying with tears cannot be easily faked. To really fake tears is difficult. Muscles associated with crying are nearly impossible to control. For example, the lump in the throat and the chin quivering. Tearing serves as a communication skill. Mothers can address how seriously should I address my child's concern or situation to some degree based on tears. So today I'm answering a question from a woman about crying. Why do some people cry more than others? There are differences in criers. Some people have a lower threshold for being sad 
or upset. It depends on how deeply the particular emotion affects you. Where your breaking point is depends on both your emotional and physical capabilities. Going into therapy, you could study more about why you handle certain situations better and certain situations not as well. The statement that women cry more than men is a generalization, and it can be a misleading one. While it's true that some studies have suggested that women may cry more frequently on average compared to men, it's important to note that this is actually a complex and multifaceted topic influenced by a variety of biological, psychological, social, and cultural factors. But here are a few things to think about. Biologically, there are hormonal differences between men and women, which probably plays a role. For instance, some research suggests that the hormone prolactin, which is associated with tear production, might be present in higher levels in women due to its involvement in the menstrual cycle and pregnancy. But these hormonal differences are not the sole reason. Also in consideration are socialization and cultural factors. Because from a young age, boys and girls are usually socialized differently with different expectations and norms surrounding the acceptability of emotional expression. Boys are often discouraged from showing vulnerability or expressing emotions like sadness, while girls are often encouraged to express their feelings more openly. And this can definitely influence crying patterns later in life. Some research suggests that women may be more likely to use crying as a way to cope with stress and sadness or even frustration. But men might have been socialized to use different outlets for their emotions, like anger or physical activity. This doesn't mean that men don't experience the same emotions, but rather that they may express them differently. And societal norms and expectations strongly influence behavior. If a society encourages emotional expression and values open communication, both men and women might feel more comfortable expressing their emotions, including crying. Studies on crying behavior often rely on self-reporting, which then, of course, is influenced by societal expectations and norms. So men in studies might underreport their crying frequency due to the stigma associated with it, while women might be more comfortable acknowledging it. And crying frequency can also vary greatly depending on the individual's personality, their particular life circumstances, the specific situations they encounter. Some people might cry more frequently due to personal experiences, their personal stressors, or their individual mental health factors. It's important to avoid broad generalizations about gender differences in emotional expression and crying because each person's behavior is influenced by this complex interplay of these various factors I've mentioned. The perception of crying can vary across cultures and even historical periods. It's more accurate to say that crying behavior is a complex and nuanced phenomenon influenced by a wide range of factors and any gender-related differences 
are not necessarily set in stone. As I mentioned, prolactin and estrogen are both hormones that women have and men don't. And so they add to the fact that studies reveal on average men report and remember, I said men might not report as much as women, that they cry once a month on average, whereas women report that they cry five times a month. Men often respond differently to women crying than women do, and this is also a factor. Often, men feel, oh, I just can't take it when this woman near me cries. It's very disturbing to a man. And women misinterpret this man's reaction, which to them seems as if he might be turning away. He might be having a, oh, I got to get out of here reaction. But sometimes it's really that he's just overwhelmed by crying, that he doesn't know what to do for to, quote, fix. So when you are not feeling emotional, and your partner has been doing this and it bothers you, tell him he doesn't have to figure out a way to save the world or fix your problem just because you're crying. Explain to him that instead of fixing it, what would really help is just acknowledging that you're upset. Women sometimes see men as emasculated if they cry. And therefore, they may not respond well to seeing men cry. This is just as much of a problem. Women need to try to be more empathic. If your guy is crying, he is sensitive and he's willing to share his vulnerability with you. This is a good thing. And you should, again, acknowledge that he is upset and you want to be there for him. Being aware of your own emotional state is also good for you. People who repress their emotional state and their emotions of being very sad or very angry, that creates greater problems for them, inhibiting that emotion. It's actually good to let it out if you're keeping it in. And so sometimes crying is really cathartic. And to feel better understood that you are with someone and you cried is a way of communicating the depth of your emotion to them. And hopefully you can work out their ability to be empathic without having to fix it towards you. So with that, right after the break, we'll get to my listener's question. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. 
So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome back. Let's get to my listener's question and see, how can I help? Dear Dr. Saltz, I am a crier. By this, I mean that ever since I was a young child, I have had a tendency to cry more than my peers. I most often cry if I'm suddenly upset or even super angry, but I also might cry if I feel sad or actually even just very emotional, even if the emotion is nostalgia or something touching I've seen or even really hilarious. I accept that I am a sensitive, emotional person, and crying is one way I register that expression. But one problem I am struggling with is it's not ideal to cry at work. It just doesn't feel professional, and I think it could unfortunately hurt me reputationally at work. I would like to find a way to control the crying at work if that is even possible. Do you have any suggestions? As a psychiatrist, I must tell you that if we lived in a more enlightened world where all were accepting of normal human emotions and their expression, there would not be any problem with crying at work. And in my opinion, there shouldn't be. But unfortunately, we don't live in that world, and people do still judge others for emotional expression that they deem and even stigmatize as unacceptable or unacceptable at work. Crying is misinterpreted as a sign of weakness, as coming apart, and it invokes uncomfortable feelings for the person present, feelings that they then, unfortunately, blame on you. Hence, I understand your feelings that you want to find a way to contain crying at work, or at least with people who are in a position to affect your job and who you've estimated to not be okay with the crying. There are tools one can practice to be able to interrupt crying when it feels like it's about to happen. For example, slow, deep breathing can bring your emotional state down such that it doesn't reach the height that invokes crying. So to practice this in a way that would not be notable to your employer should you be standing with them. You need to become in tune with when emotionally you're starting to get to too high a place for you. And when you start to hit that place to do some slow and not visible deep breathing in your nose and out your mouth, but slowing your breathing down, which will help bring that emotional state back down while staying in the conversation. This will help you from getting to the place where you feel like you can't stop the tears. Additionally, a mental distraction, like counting backwards from 100 by sevens, which admittedly could take you somewhat out of the conversation that you're in, but may be worth it in order to avoid the tears, can move your mind to something unemotional, completely unemotional, which can short-circuit the need to cry. Focusing on something grounding 
like keeping a large coin in your pocket that you can then hold and feel to ground you and concentrate on. Some people use an elastic hair tie around their wrist and pull it and let it snap to just give a mild snap on the wrist. And that feeling state can distract you from your emotional state, again, thereby short-circuiting and taking you down from the place where the crying becomes inevitable. It's helpful to practice these skills outside of work when the stakes are lower, to be able to do them at work when the stakes feel higher. If you get into a spot where you feel the tears are unstoppable, it's always okay to say, could you excuse me a moment? Go to the ladies' room, into a stall, take a few minutes, even cry in the stall, or just work to use these tools to take down your emotional state and feel more composed before returning. Should you cry in a work setting, it is also truly okay to just say, you know what, I'm okay. I'm just feeling a little, and then name the emotion. Could be frustrated, could be angry, and I'm really okay, but I easily tear up when I feel whatever it is, frustrated, sad, to explain what's happening in a way that should be understandable to anybody at work and making it clear that you are not overwhelmed, that you are not coming apart, but that tearing is your emotional response to a normal feeling state that probably anybody would be having in this conversation. It will simply defuse the intensity of the response to the cry and make it clear to the person present you don't expect them to do something or fix something and actually you don't need fixing. Aside from the workplace, crying should always be very okay. It's often really a good release for high-level emotions, which you can then think about and understand and hopefully work toward resolving. I hope that was helpful. Controlling crying in the workplace can be important for maintaining professionalism and managing your emotions effectively. And here are overall strategies that can help. As I mentioned, taking deep breaths. When you feel the urge to cry, taking slow and deep breaths can help you regain control over your emotions, which then prevents the tears from flowing. Excusing yourself. If tears are coming on, consider excusing yourself, heading to a private space like a restroom or a break room where you can have a moment to recompose yourself. Practicing outside emotional regulation, which basically are techniques like mindfulness, meditation, which help you to manage your emotions more effectively in stressful situations. Using distraction like counting backwards from 100 or focusing on a specific object in the room, which can redirect your thoughts and help prevent the tears from coming. Using visualization, mentally picturing yourself in a calming or neutral scene to help you stay composed and divert your focus from the emotional state that you're in. Positive internal self-talk. Remind yourself in the moment of your capabilities and your strengths 
have some positive affirmations like, I am smart. I can handle this. I can handle anything to boost your self-confidence and resilience in a challenging moment. Practicing self-assertiveness. If you're feeling overwhelmed or stressed due to work-related issues, communicate your needs and concerns to colleagues earlier. This can help prevent the emotions that later come and build up to a point of no return where you might cry. Always try to practice a healthy lifestyle because you're more likely to cry when you're not getting enough sleep and you're not eating well and you don't have regular physical activity. Doing those things sleeping well, eating well, having regular physical activity, help you to better emotionally regulate. Having a source of support. If you are very stressed in the workplace, which can more likely trigger an emotional response, having trusted colleagues or friends or even a mental health professional to talk to for support and guidance can help you a lot. And preventive measures. Addressing a root cause of stress at the workplace will help prevent an emotional outburst later. So, improving time management skills, setting boundaries at work, seeking help with overwhelming tasks, asking for delegations, and practice skills ahead of time because in the moment is not the place to first try something out. You want to have rehearsed it previously in a non-high emotion time at home to get better at it so that in the moment when it's harder to practice, you already have that skill rehearsed. Remember, everyone experiences emotions and it's okay to have moments when you feel like crying. Learning to manage these emotions in a professional setting like therapy, can also be valuable for maintaining your composure and effectiveness in a place like work. So if you find that your emotions are frequently, and I mean frequently, overwhelming or impacting your overall well-being, then think about therapy with a mental health professional because it can really be beneficial. Do you have a problem I can help with? If so, email me at howcanihelp at senecawomen.com. All centers remain anonymous. And listen every Friday to How Can I Help? with me, Dr. Gail Saltz.